One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jim Romolini. And Jen, I'm in your ancestral homeland. I'm in Philly. I know. You told me where you were staying and I actually mapped it. I was like, wait, where exactly <laughs> is she? <laughs> I know. I know basically the exact block you're on. And I, I told you to where, where to walk, what, which blocks to take to walk. I know. I feel so sad. I mean, I'm happy for you, but I'm sad that I'm not there with you. I, I love Philly. Is it super hot? It is so hot. <laughs> It is so hot. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's disgusting. <laughs> Isn't it so weird how like seasons don't make any sense anymore? Isn't it just It is a little weird and they really don't. There's like zero there's zero sense. There's zero sense to the seasons. Like we're supposed to be like crisp and back to school, but it's like a fucking swamp over there. I I hear it is it is like a swamp and i just walked into a cvs and they had like rows of halloween things oh yes yes that's a big thing halloween is just halloween starts at labor day and christmas starts at halloween it's really true that is that is my we are when we get to the end of the year we're just like in a rush to finish up <laughs> And it's never the weather. I mean, it's never the weather anyway that they're planning for. But now it's like really not the weather they're having. I mean, you know, Halloween out here is usually melted pumpkins. Like you can't carve a pumpkin until like the night before. If not, or if not, you're just going to have like mush on the like, it's disgusting. Poor child, like carving a pumpkin. Oh my God, I forgot this. This shirt has these weird shoulders. It's, it's like a lot. <laughs> You're wearing a cold shoulder top. I am. I, I am. This is an old shirt that I just pulled out. It's a denim shirt that has a shoulder cut out. I, who knows what sample sale I bought this at. Um, <laughs> so how else is your week? It's pretty good. I mean, other than the stifling heat, I, you know, I'm kind of getting into it being fall in my mind anyway. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I'm here for the week. Paul has a lot of work and a couple shows here. Mm -hmm. And so we're staying in this like corporate apartment, which I'm completely digging. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. This like weird corporate apartment. And I don't know, you know, Jen, I just don't fucking know. I, but I am excited for our episode today. I'm excited for our episode today, too. I'm excited. I'm excited because, um, like I said, in the episode, Eden LaPucky and I have been online friends for a while. And I love it when I meet an online friend, like slightly in real life, which is what this felt like. Um, yeah, I am. Um, 
I have not been sleeping. I have been having, doesn't matter if I'm on hormone therapy or not. I've just been having hot flashes like nonstop. I, well, okay. I know why. I did something over the weekend that I do not recommend to anyone. And then I have a recommendation, but I have to say the thing I do not recommend is don't get drunk at your block party. <laughs> That's like getting drunk, too drunk you're in, in your freshman dorm hall. Exactly. I was like, I think everything was fine. Like I was, it was like blackout drunk and I think I was fine. And Alex was like, you were enthusiastic. It was fine. <laughs> but like, I've been like seeing like dads walking, like, you know, their dogs, like on the block all week and been like, oh God, I remember having a conversation with him. I was over enthusiastic. Like, <laughs> I had lots of questions. There was one dad that I was grilling so much. It was like, it's not all dads, but it's like people on the block. And then there's like dad bands playing and everybody, it's a potluck and you know, they shut down the block. It's lovely, whatever. But one dad, I was so intrigued. I was like, you have to give me your number. We have to talk more about this. And I, <laughs> I just remember his face being like, all right. <laughs> It's so horrible. It's so horrible. Anyway, I think that just like kicked off. My perimenopause was like, hey, fuck you. Remember, you can't drink. And I've just been mm -hmm. hot flashing almost nonstop since like just Ugh. it's been I've been I've been neck sweaty. It's just been disgusting. Um, but in my insomnia, I've been looking at a lot of um, TikTok skincare videos. I've become obsessed with people's skincare routines. And I found this product, like, you know how we keep talking about vitamin C being so great, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Somebody on TikTok asked, actually did a test to see if these, I guess you can take, you can have some kind of test. I don't know what it is, but some acidity test to see if these vitamin C products are actually effective or not. And like, mm -hmm. you could see like this strip light up green, or if it was green, it meant it was basically just distilled water. If it lit up yellow, then it meant that it had the, the right makeup, the right compound that it would be absorbed into your sin, skin. Anyway, almost every single vitamin C product was total bullshit, except this one uh, from Timeless, vitamin C and for, for fulic acid, um, your ruling for real, yeah. for real acid. Sorry. <laughs> I'm literally working on two hours sleep. And, um, that one from Timeless, which is sold at Target, was like the highest one, the highest percentage vitamin C, the, the best absorbent, like that was the best product. That's good to know. I'm glad to know that. We should put that in the show notes. We should put it in the show notes because I've just been on here buying that $100 powder and I haven't done it in a while um, But because I want to add vitamin C to my skin. So yeah, I haven't bought the $100 powder in a while. Yeah, me neither. I I've just been using the Sephora stuff, but I have sensitive skin and I recently read that you have to be careful which vitamin C you use if you have sensitive skin because it can redden your skin. Oh, that's interesting. That's that's interesting. I mean, who knows what's in, like what does it all do to your skin? I just want somebody to just strap me in the laser mask for like six hours and I want to come out just like, a, I want to look like a demon. And then I want to come out looking just like fresh faced and juicy. Remember, remember that reminds me of a, um, of a, um, what was that twilight zone show? Yes. A twilight zone episode where people like these horrible people try on masks that are like avarice and anger and 
you know, all of these bad things. And then when they take the masks off, they have become the mask. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen with your like ionic mask. You're going to look like those masks look. Yeah, that's just going to be me forever. I'm just going to, I mean, look, we're just fully in like Jetsons at this point. Every time I'm just like, what is it's even just that there's just going to be flying cars next and that's it. You want to know something fascinating? I do. The Jets- <laughs> <laughs> I find this fascinating. The Jetsons only aired for one season. How is that possible? The Jetsons only aired for one season. It looms so large in my mind. All of our minds. It was a hugely influential show. And I liked it so much better than the Flintstones. Oh, it was so much better than the Flintstones. So much better. So much better. The Flintstones was so misogynist. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I have distinct, I don't, I can't believe that. I actually, I, I actually can't believe that that doesn't track with any of my memories, but you know, it does make sense. Well, I wouldn't bet a thousand dollars that that statement is true, but I would bet half of that. I'm pretty sure it's true. Someday, someday there should just be like an everything is fine fact check. Like just like <laughs> <laughs> take a while. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. Well, listen, Eden Lepucky is amazing, and I just want to apologize because I really sprung this this question we've been thinking about returning to, which is basically like, what's your favorite beauty product? And I really sprung it on her and it was not very kind of me, but I, I wanted to bring it back because we've had a lot of interest for it on Facebook, but I should have told her that I was going to ask her that before, um, before the interview. So anyway, that's it. Sorry, Eden, you're amazing. And that's, let's, (laughs) let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Eden Lepucky. Eden is the New York Times bestselling author of multiple novels, including California, Woman Number 17, and her latest, Time's Mouth, which was published last month. Eden also created the popular Instagram account Mothers Before, and she edited a book inspired by the project, which was published in 2020. Her fiction and nonfiction has appeared in Esquire, The New York Times Magazine, The Los Angeles Times, The Cut, Romper, and McSweeney's, among many other publications. Welcome, Eden. Hi. Hi, it is such a pleasure to be on my favorite podcast. Aww. I'm so excited. We've just we are just internet friends. We've met once in person, but we are in, we are pretty good internet friends, I will yes, say. Yes, I would say. Yeah. Yes. And I was I was really excited that you had this book coming out cuz I was like, "Oh, come on. This will be great." Yes, please. Yes. yes. Um <laughs> so okay. So your new book, Time's Mouth, is about a lot of things, but it's about what if you could go back in time and investigate your family's secrets? Would it make things better? Would it make you better or worse? And it's also about mothers, families, and escaping one's past. What made you want to explore these topics? (laughs) I joke now that if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and not write a time travel book. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that probably everyone, if you're not, I I don't think you're really human if you don't have this feeling, but you have the desire to go back in time to moments of your past that you can't ever return to. There's that, it's nostalgia, but it's something I think a lot more meaningful and deeper than that. Um, So I've been always obsessed with that. You know, Kim and I both went to Oberlin. So there's (laughs) oftentimes when I think about how I would like to go back 
to college and just walk through the house, the shitty house off campus that I lived in and be in that feeling of youth. Um, I have three kids and now, you know, the youngest one is only four, but even he is getting into like kid land. Um, And so I want very badly to just for a minute, I don't want any more newborn babies in my life, but if I could have (laughs) them as newborn babies for even just like 10 seconds, oh, I would, I would do it. Um, So I thought I got to write a book about this feeling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's much harder than I thought. I sort of was like, oh, I'll just write a story about being able to go back into moments of your own past and, you know, the emotional mind fuck of that. And it'll be easy, but it was not easy. No, I imagine from like, I wrote a choose your own adventure chapter in my first book thinking, oh, that'll be fun. And like, actually just technically it's really difficult. Like I imagine that technically mapping it out was really hard for you as a writer. And like, so you made your job, which is already hard, a lot harder. Yeah. Well, I have, as a writer, I feel like I don't want to, I don't really want to have career goals anymore. I don't want to have like, I hope I win a prize because I hope I do, but it's out of my hands. Or I hope I'm a bestseller again, because again, it's kind of out of my hands. But I feel like I have to have aesthetic goals. And so my (laughs) first two books were like shifting perspective, simple past tense, but they both covered like six weeks. And so I was like, I really want to try to write a book that covers a lot of time because I really love reading books where like years pass in a couple paragraphs. I think it's like a very pleasurable, almost sexy feeling to have that time passing. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, But I actually don't map my books out and I should, but I just am incapable. I have to kind of write them in the order that I think they're going to be read and then later rearrange them again and again. Um, so this book, I kind of had a general idea of where it was going to end. And I had points that I knew I wanted to hit. But a lot of the plot was written and rewritten and rewritten again. Um, and ultimately, the story that is in the final draft is cr- a chronological time travel narrative, which mm-hmm. I kind of like in the end. But it took me yeah. so many tries where I was trying to tell it out of order at the beginning, which I think is our impulse when we're telling that kind of story. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, I kind of hate myself for doing it. But at the other, <laughs> on the other side, I'm like, well, that was what was actually exciting to me. I can control the, yeah. the aesthetic ambition and try something new. Although I'm going to write a new book that's like a little taut three-week story and get out of there next time. <laughs> can we talk about the fact you, you write a lot about motherhood and, and you write a lot about what it is to be a mother. You write a lot about what it is to be a daughter. Do you ever get concerned about being pigeonholed as a, 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 a like a mom writer or do you care? I don't think I really care. I okay. think because I think it's just an endlessly interesting topic. And sometimes I write about, you know, most of my nonfiction right now is about being a mother because <laughs> I don't have anything else going on. <laughs> um, and my fiction has mothering and being mothered. And so I think even if you're not a parented, you were parented yeah. or maybe you were not parented enough, but that is mm-hmm. such like a humane topic. So I'm okay with that being my brand, although I don't want to have a brand. Uh, But I remember my agent, like, right after, I think right after we sold Mothers Before, she was like, your brand is complicated mothering. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of had no idea. Um, But I don't know, I know so many interesting mothers, and I want to get that on the page. I want all the like, complicated, messy parts of being a mom and having a mom 
there for the taking for people to think about. So I'm okay with it. I don't, I honestly couldn't change if I tried. So. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, and the thing is about you, cause your nonfiction about motherhood is really excellent. Like it's inc- it really, I mean, people should read it. It's you've been so refreshingly candid about motherhood. You've written these really frank, irreverent essays and I've, I'm going to quote you to you, okay? Because I really <laughs> love you. I am not an ideal mother. I don't want to be. I want to be a human. And then my other favorite essay, which is about how you won't play with your kids, which is just like, there's. you wrote this essay that was just like, I'm not going to play with my children. And I, And this is what you said. I was a terrible playmate, a tired mother who did little beyond obstructing. I have a bad temper. I can be critical and I don't like to play, especially pretend or anything with dolls or figures or any games that ask me to hide or wield a Nerf gun. Well, <laughs> okay. What was people's respond to this? Because this scam, one of the scams of motherhood is that you're just supposed to like play. You're just supposed to be like, all right, now we're going to play for hours and it's awful. And I'm, I was not any good at it either. Um, well, I'll take you back. When I had the idea to write that essay, yes. which is in the letter of recommendation column in the New York Times Magazine, I was like, they're not going to take this essay because <laughs> I don't know any mothers who play. Like, come on, let's be honest. There's a very, there are mothers who really truly love to play, but I yes. think most mothers are just busy keeping people alive. Yes. That to play is like, are you kidding me? Yes. Um, and so I thought it was sort of just obvious. My mom didn't play with me and she's a great mom. Like right. she also like hates to swim. I've seen her swimming once with me like twice in my entire life. And mothering is a real calling for my mom. She has five children. She loved to mother. Right. And that was like her vocation. Um, but so I was kind of surprised when they accepted the essay, which I didn't think was a revolutionary idea. And yeah. it is more about thinking about what you like to do as a parent. You know, yeah. like I may not be good playing with figures, but I can teach. I taught my kids to read. I taught them how to make banana bread. I can right. go on long walks and talk about death. Like I can do all these right. things that maybe mother mothers can't do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's okay for a child to see that their mother, I think it's actually, you should see your mother refusing to do things. I remember being very struck once by a friend whose daughter was upset because her mother wasn't doing the, the bake sale at school. She's like, why can't you just be one of the moms who does the bake sale? And her mom was like, do you really want that? <laughs> I think she did. Yeah. <laughs> she actually I did. mean, we, my, but, but I love that response. Yeah. You know, I love, you know, that any, any sort of like, you know, I mean, I'm not a mom. So I really respond, I think, to women who are very, I like, I like a bad, I like little bits of bad mom. I obviously like moms to be good and not hurt their children and feed them and keep them clothed. But like a little bit of bad mom is just, is pretty intoxicating. I think so in the same way that I like people who don't have kids sort of talking frankly, both in the ways that they're liberated by not having children and also any sadness they have. I just think all of those feelings are there for everybody, no matter what choice you make. Um, my daughter has a thing where she'll say, I wish blank were my mom. And it'll be like some, either like a movie star or just somebody else's mom. And I don't think she gets that. One of the cool things about me is that I'm like, yeah, that probably, I, I could see that, that she seems cool. <laughs> and so I sort of just let her have the feeling rather than being like, how dare you? That's mean to me. And so someday I hope she'll look back and be like, my mom never played Barbies with me, but I could tell her that I wished Deanna was my mom and she understood. Um, she didn't play interesting- Barbies with you, but she didn't play games with you either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like you're an honest mom. I'm very honest. And I was going to say the don't play with your mom, don't play with your mom, don't play with your kids essay 
went totally viral to my surprise, and I still get hate mail for it. I That's still what get, I was wondering. Yes, I'm sure. Every every about every six months, it's really it's interesting. Conservative, it's not always, but it's a typically like conservative person on Twitter or X Tra- or whatever we're calling it. Yeah, yeah, but it's a man. Okay, <laughs> gets very upset about the piece. And then I'll get a couple DMs, I'll get a couple emails. And it always hurts a little bit. I would be lying if I it didn't. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like, well, you're not playing with your kids if you're writing these emails. <laughs> and what is so threatening about a mother who loves being a mother but doesn't accept all of the apparent obligations of mothering. Totally. And, you know, there's also a thing of like, that. there's just this very unrealistic expectation that you will be good at every stage of mothering. You know, like you're just going to, and we've talked about this on the show before, that it's like, well, you're going to be great at having an infant and a toddler and a preschooler and a this and a that. Like, it's very clear to me as my kid is getting older that I am, go- I am going to be excellent at raising a teenager, like, because I'm pretty honest, I'm pretty open, like, I can see it. And like, the rest of it's kind of been a B. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> I, like I've been about a B and like, we talk about it. I'm like, sorry, I'm a B. And we're like, yeah, if this, if we have a name of the mom that is much better than me. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, you would have been better off. I know it, but yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I don't bring the s'more stick to the camping trip. I forgot like, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, isn't B a pretty good grade? Isn't B a pretty yeah, good grade? Yeah, B's good. It's not an A. <laughs> As a lifelong B student, <laughs> no, Kim has a Kim has a thing that she the B game that she's bringing her B game, and it's my favorite thing about her. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, can we? I yes, want to talk a little bit about because there's an interesting story about I believe it was your debut novel, which and it's so interesting because just last week we had somebody who's written a memoir about working about Amazon, working at Amazon on, and she was talking about. The, the the tension between Amazon and Hachette. Yes. And you got caught up in that, <laughs> where Amazon and Hachette Publishing were disputing, you know, tr- trying to fight over who was going to determine prices of things, I think it was. And Stephen Colbert got on the air and said, this whole thing is going on. Authors are going to suffer because of it. And here's a book you should buy. And it was your book. Yes. He actually had Sherman Alexi on who recommended my book. But this was, (laughs) it was one of those things where they were having a contract. It was so boring. I don't even know what they were arguing about. (laughs) And so then they removed all the buttons and everyone was like, this is going to affect you. This is going to affect you. And I was like, nobody is pre-ordering my book anyway, but it's still very upsetting. And it was very awkward in my house because my husband worked at Goodreads at the time, which was owned by Amazon. So it was like this weird thing where he was, you know, complicit in this strange way in the same way as your guest. Um, (laughs) And yeah. And then I got this call that was like, yeah, they're going to talk about your book on Colbert. And we watched it. And this was a couple months, maybe six weeks before the book came out. And I remember my husband and I were talking, we're like, this is really cool. And then I was like, do you think it's going to sell any copies? And he was like, yeah, probably like four or 500. And then it sold like 4,000 copies in like 24 hours or 48 oh, hours or something. It's, I think it remains like the most pre-ordered book in Hachette history, which seems wow. not possible, but it doesn't seem that many copies. But um, yeah, so then I was on this path to becoming a best, like an instant best-selling author. Yeah, which was not was never part of my like 
author fantasies. I was much more highbrow (laughs) than being a bestseller in my fantasy life. Um, So it kind of changed my career trajectory in this way that I, you know, didn't see coming and I got to go. I mean, it was all wonderful. I did a pretty good job, not totally, but a pretty good job of enjoying myself while it was all happening. Yeah. Um, Because I'm, I'm, I'm decent at like having a lot of anxiety when a book comes out and just feeling so vulnerable and exposed. But I did try to enjoy myself and I went on Colbert, which I was so nervous, but then it was actually really fun. And I was like, can I do that again? Um, (laughs) Yeah. But so that was how my like writing life started, my writing career. And you'd had, you'd had your debut novel was not your first novel. You wrote a book that was rejected. Yes. How did you, how did you come back from that? How did, how did you put away a book and start a new one. That must be huge. Uh, Well, I had this first novel. This is a long story, so buckle up. I had a first novel that- (laughs) We love talking about failure, so please. (laughs) (laughs) I had a first novel that my previous agent, who's not my agent anymore, she basically, I met her while I was at graduate school. I went to Iowa. They had agents come and meet you, and she read one of my stories and wanted to wanted to be my agent. And I was like, oh, of course, like anybody wants to be my agent. Yes, please come in. Um, And I had sent her a draft of my book a couple of years after graduating from school. And she took a long time to get back to me, which should be a red flag. Um, And I was coming to New York to go to a wedding. And right after the wedding, I was going to a writing retreat. And my plan was to meet her in person to go over the novel. I was like, hey, you've had the book for like months and months. I'm coming to town. Let's have lunch. Talk about the book. And then I'll take your notes and I'll go to my writing retreat and I'll revise it. And then you can sell it for a million dollars. And I land at JFK and I check my email and there's an email from her that says, I've read only, I can't I can't finish this book. I've read about half of it and I can't represent I can't finish it. I can't represent you. I'm sorry. And I'm getting I'm like start shaking and my husband is like, "Did someone die?" So I was like, "Yes, me. I died." Um so I spent this week in New York just like sobbing, going to this oh. wedding and just being like, "Oh, my career's over and it hasn't even started yet." Um and I felt sort of duped by her. In a way, she did me a favor because she really wasn't the right agent for me. Yeah, She thought the book was too dark, <laughs> too disturbing. Um, and I felt a little bit upset because the novel was not really any different from the stories that she fell in love with. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I had given her something wholly different. Um, but now she wasn't my agent and I didn't have one. And I went to this writing retreat being like, well, now what? Yeah. And while I was at the treat, retreat, I started sending the book out to different agents. And I had had this idea for a post-apocalyptic domestic drama, just that phrase. I was like, somebody should write that. I would like to read that. But I wasn't going to write it because I don't read a lot of post-apocalyptic sci-fi books. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I have no career. I'm just going to start this book here because I have nothing else to do. And that ended up being California. Okay. And sort of like the first 30 pages of California are almost exactly what I wrote while at that retreat. And, Mm. you know, that book, I did get an agent who's my agent now for the first failed book. And she took me on. She was like, I'm going to take you on, but this book is not going to sell. But I really believe in you as a writer. And so Mm. she was right. It didn't sell. But then after a year of going through that rejection process, I said, I'm working on this other book. Maybe you should look at it. And she was like, oh, this book will sell. And I think it's more commercial. I think it's better. So why don't we? Because at that point, I was like, I could barely check my email every day because 
every day meant I was going to get another rejection. Yeah. And it was really doing a number on my spirit. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there was some relief in putting that book aside after, you know, having an agent leave me over it, having multiple editors reject it. But because I had this new book and I had a new agent and she really believed in it, I felt like I wasn't putting it to bed without anything. I was like, yeah. I'm just putting this aside, recognizing that for whatever reason, it's not it's not selling. Um, and I see now it just wasn't a good enough book Beyond, besides being way, really dark. It just wasn't good enough. And yeah. so this is the kind of thing where that failure, looking back, I'm grateful for it because I ended up right. writing California and- that got on Colbert and had a weird beginning of my career. Right, right. But I mean, was there a moment and during all of this that you were like, well, maybe I can't do this? I mean, you're a novelist. That's like a really hard thing to just be as a thing, just as the thing that you do for a living, right? That's a that's a that's a that's hard. That's a, you know, how did you give yourself permission and in the course of this rejection too to keep going and say, Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it as a writer. I have actually no idea because there okay. was there were so many signs pointing to like no. Yeah. I always tell my students that a writer is someone who keeps getting a no and just keeps writing because I feel like in my career, even beyond that, I've faced rejection. And for some reason I keep doing it. Yeah. Um, in my house we have something called Nursing Avenue, Nursing Ave. And that's when you're like, I think I'm gonna go to nursing school and oh, stop yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> and so my husband always says, Don't go down nursing ave. Because that's the moment when I'm just like, I can't do it. And I've been there recently because I had this, you know, Time's Mouth took oh, seven years to write. And wow. it's been such a vulnerable month. I mean, it's been all great. I had Nothing yeah. bad has happened, but it's just felt so intense that I keep saying like, I don't think I can do this again. Like, I don't think publishing is for me. It's just so much, even though it's all good news. Yeah. And he keeps being like, don't go down Nursing Avenue. Like, you are just this is just talk. This is another part of you. This is not the part of you that loves to write. And he's he's correct, unfortunately, is that I have no other skills and I actually truly do just love writing. Like yeah. I, I mean, I hate it sometimes, but it is what I'm meant to do. I actually don't know how to process my life without writing. Like I don't know how I would understand what it is doing. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. 
But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hia Sera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hia Sera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you next is what your creative process is like. Are you somebody who sits down every day? I would love to be that kind of person. Um, I can't. Until this year, I didn't even have five days of childcare. Um, my youngest went to TK, so now he goes to school on Mondays. But before that, we had our like special day together on Monday. And so I couldn't write every day. The weekends are shot. I don't have any, you know, I go to I go to my exercise classes on the weekend if I want to do something without my family. Right. Um, so I don't really have a life set up where I could write every day. But even when you know, I was unencumbered by family duties. I didn't write every day. I definitely am somebody who likes, is like, I like incremental progress. So when I'm working on a project, I'm very much like, let me set aside three and a half to four hours and work on it a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like to go away for a week or two to retreats and turn into like a monster yeah. person slob who just like turns feral and writes a lot and then take that kind of energy and all that productivity back to my regular life. Yeah. Right. I mean, how does it work with, so, I mean, so many people are like, I have a novel in me, right? I have a novel in me. I have a, like, okay, you're writing novels with three children. How, how does like, how does it actually, the mechanics of it work? So do you start with the germ of an idea? Do, you don't map it out. Do you, what, what happens? Because I, I want to talk of some people. I want because people want to write, right? They people want to write, but why? Why do you want to do I, it? I, believe me, I just it is got, really a mental illness that you want to sit down and alone in a room and write. It is. I I believe that it is a mental illness. I think you're right, and I do believe that you also become sort of codependent with it. What you just said about not being able to process your life outside of writing, I am. I've like passed that a while ago. Every everything is sort of grist for the mill. It's like yeah. it's filthy. It's a fill. It's like oh, I'll use that later. Like I'm fighting with my husband. I'm like that's an interesting line. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> horrible. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, this is a, this is an illness. But um, with three, you have three children. Like, do, what do you think your balance is to work? Is it just that you know work just work gets put aside and motherhood comes first? Like how do you how do you manage that? 
I mean, motherhood is the more persistent call to me because there are three people who need me. Nobody needs my books. (laughs) Let's be clear. Nobody's going to die if they don't get the new Ida Lepucky novel. Um, (laughs) So I would, but I would say that they're very much side by side. I mean, mothering is above it because there's three people who have their lives are on the line and I want them to be able to have rich, rewarding lives where they feel loved. And so I don't want them to feel like they're in competition with my work. Yeah. But they also know that writing is my calling and it is a very big part of my life. And they know it's where I derive most of my pleasure in terms of like making meaning and just having joy. And they know that books, they know all of that about me. And I think that that's, that's good. I'm happy that they know that about me. Um, how I do it. I mean, one is childcare. Mm-hmm. I have, we send my kids to school and preschool and babysitters during COVID. We had a babysitter. We finally broke our little, we didn't have a pod because we didn't like enough, anybody enough to be in a pod Oh my God, right. Yes. That's a real thing. (laughs) My husband is a real introvert and was like, no, I do not want to be with anybody. (laughs) I can't make a decision about who would be in our pod. And nobody wanted to be with us anyway. We have three kids. They're all, they're each four years apart. So like, we're fucked. Um, so we broke the pod, we broke whatever, the bubble to have a babysitter come in so that I could get some work done. I also have a very equitable domestic partnership in terms of like, I know a lot of people who are unhappy and it's because their cis hetero male partner won't fucking clean the kitchen and won't right. like, I have a partner who is pretty much the main cook. He does all the drop-offs we are very much invested in our children seeing that we're equal and that yeah. neither one of us does more. And so we, I have a family where my kids ask for their dad as much as they ask for me, wow. which could hurt my ego, but I'm like, I did it. I did something great. They yeah. really depend on their father in a almost maternal way. I like to say that I like to watch him mother. I think it's very beautiful and also yeah. attractive. Yeah. Um, so that is a big thing. And, you know, he, there have been times in our relationship where we made the same amount of money. And right now I definitely make less than him. And I have been like, well, I shouldn't devote as much time to this because it makes less money and it doesn't make sense. And he's very good about being like, no, you're a writer. So you need to make time for this. I don't care how much money it makes. So that's another big part of it. And I don't think I could do it without him supporting our life in all kinds of ways. Um, And right now I'm kind of happy for the excuse of having three kids because I don't want to have to write all the time. (laughs) I want to be like, I only have three hours and I can't do it otherwise. It's a nice little container. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about at at the beginning of our conversation about, and I'm going to get this wrong, how you don't have as many career ambitions now. You have aesthetic ambitions. I'm wondering how your ambition in general has changed as you've gotten older or if it has. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this. When I was in college, my two friends called me blonde ambition <laughs> because I like just wanted to be the best and win everything and go to the best school and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think they would probably still think of me that way because yeah. I still have a hunger for professional success. But I think the longer you're in the game, it's hard not to grow a little cynical about it all and just see how it's like so much about who you know and what connections you're making over time and how you might get something, quote unquote, and it 
has zero effect on sales. And right. you sort of see how it's all sort of a house of cards or whatever the metaphor we want to yeah. use. Yeah. Um, and so I have really tried to just go back to the work because I realize that every time I'm writing, there'll be a time where I'm like, I can't wait for this book to come out. And like, people are going to love it. And then it does come out. People do love it. And it feels bad. It yes. doesn't feel, it doesn't feel the thing. And, you know, if there are listeners who want to write, who have that book in them, the writing itself is actually the thing that is going to feel the best. Like the sentence, when you nail the sentence or you figure yep. out something about the character, all that craft dorky stuff is really where the joy is. And so, but it's a lesson that I have to keep learning. I think I'm fine. It's really starting to sink in this publication round because I grew so weirdly close to this book. Like I lived with it for so many years yeah. and it's so personal, even though it's about time travel, like I wrote about you know, the biography of the father in the book is very similar to my dad's. And I said it on the street I grew up in, like, it's very personal mm -hmm. in this weird way. And so it's been very hard to like, have it be in the world. Yeah. Um, even though that's what I wanted all along. Yeah. And now, you know, I have had three books, and I have had a bestseller. So I'm like, well, what do I really want? Like, what are the things that I want? And so I just have to go back to like, well, what is the work that I want to make? Right? What's the artistic challenge? Because like, here's the thing, like, if you're focusing, like I remember when I was, I wrote a business book and like somebody handed me the business book spreadsheet that all the business book authors had. And it was like, how to be a good author. And like on it was included this 1-800 number you could call because these women are rich. You could call and order all these copies of your own book so that then it would make the bestseller list. <laughs> yes. Okay. Like, I, oh, like wow. okay. It's like filth and gross. But like, even now people are like, oh, well, you know, you really need, cause I have a book coming out next year. People are like, well, you know, be great is Jenna Bush Hagler. And I'm like, I can't, I don't, I don't even want anyone to read this fucking book. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you really are kind of, I think I believe you when you say you don't want anyone to read your book. No, I'm, I'm going like, to read it. You better watch uh, it. <laughs> well, you want to talk about personal. It's like the other day, my husband was like, I guess I'm just going to be known as the guy with the wife who fucked everybody. And I was like, yeah, you are. You really are. <laughs> His dream come true. Exactly. I was like, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm blushing. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, but no, it is it is weird when that happens, and that is a that is a gift of older age. Is that that thing of like, well, why am I doing this? It's about the process. It's not about the end result because it has to be. Because if it's about the end result, you're just like it's a very it feels very young to me to feel about to be excited about the end result. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's weird. Like one of the all time writer fantasies I had, which was to be in the buy the book column in the New York Times book review where they have your illustration. Yes. When they it was like the week of my birthday and the, my publicist texted me and it was like, happy birthday. This is happening. And I like screamed. I was so excited and I was fantasizing about it. And then it came out and I just felt like kind of despair about it. And I couldn't figure out why. I was like, this is something I wanted. And it's because yeah. to get what you want is the scariest thing of all. And yeah. now I can't spend a lot of time imagining what my answers would be because they're already set in stone. And I am to this day thrilled that that happened to me and that my publicist got that. That's so yes. cool. Yes. But it didn't have that sheen of fantasy that it had. So no. now I'm like, okay, back to back to my office where I'm alone yes. and nobody cares about me. Yes. But, but th that's, that's part of it. I think is that like your, your, you, your book comes out or something big happens. You have a, a big career landmark and you're still yourself. 
Yep. Like there yep. isn't something that like that thing, like, you know, endows you with some power you never had or empathy or brains or whatever, or fame or whatever. It, it, you're still you. You're still, you've got that wound that you can't, that's that, right. Nothing's gonna, nothing's <laughs> gonna heal that damn wound. No, that no, hole. nope, yeah. definitely not. But wait, I need to go back to that because that column is, I mean, obviously everybody looks at that column like, oh, what's that person? How long, how did you come up with those answers for that? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. That, that was a writing assignment of my life. I felt like I was on a reality show or like on Project One where they're like, you're at the convenience store and you have to make a dress from all these tins of spam. Okay, go. And it was like, if I don't answer this the best way, then I, I've given up my life. But my friend Cynthia was like, because I was like, I feel like I don't have any. I remember I was like, I don't have any writers in translation on this because I don't fucking read that. And she was like, no, <laughs> stop trying to sound smart. You want to be funny and you want to be crazy. And then I was like, go. And suddenly that like unlocked it for me where I was like, OK, here we go. Um, and That's so funny. there it was. But it was a lot. What's sad is there it was a lot longer. And I felt like they cut a couple of the answers where I was really helping living authors. Yes. And so they, that I didn't even know personally. I was just like, oh, yeah, here's the last book I read, My Murder by Katie Williams. Great book. I didn't get to, like, shout that out. So that was a little bit of a bummer. But. It is so funny though, because those things sound so breezy. Like that's why I had to bring it up. They yeah, sound no, it's like, it's good, like, oh. <laughs> no, it's done over email. And they're like, here are the questions. You have like three and a half weeks. And my, I'm really like, you know, punctual as a person. Yeah. So, But I was deaf. I wasn't late with it, but my publicist was like, hey, this is due in like four days. Like I need to pull it out of your little raccoon claws. Like, come on. I yeah. took it very seriously. <laughs> no, I filled out the oldster questionnaire a couple years ago, and it's like a dream, every, also a dream. Every single word of it, I was so precise because it's over email too. And I was like, okay, well, if I have control over this, like, fuck off. Here we go. Yeah. You know? Here we go. Here we go. I did like yeah. four drafts. Like, you know, so anyway, I just think that's yeah. funny. But, um, but wait, oh my God, we, I was going to say something. Oh, authors. This is a, you read a lot. I feel like who are you? Just said a book that I've never heard of. I feel like you have some books that yeah, people should well, know. Besides my book, Time's yes. Mouth. Everybody, go out and buy it. Go out and buy it right now. <laughs> um, I a few books that I've really loved lately are this book called My Murder by Katie Williams. It's about a woman who was cloned after being killed by a serial killer. And she and a bunch of the other women who were cloned who were also killed by the serial killer are all cloned back to life and they're in this like funny support group together and it's very funny and dark and the writing is just like zippy and great I thought it, I read it on vacation it was one of those I call it like a smart fast read yeah where it was very smart but not difficult and the other book I put in by the book that got cut was um I'm looking back behind me in my office it was it's called they're gonna love you Mm. by They're Going to Love You by Meg Howery. Okay. It's about a woman who's a ballet choreographer. She's estranged from her gay dad who was also a ballet dancer. And so it has some like 80s mm-hmm. New York bohemian gay world, the AIDS crisis, yeah. and then present day with her trying to like connect with her father. And there's a lot of fun like dance and making art stuff in it that I just loved. I thought the structure was really cool and the yeah. writing was beautiful. Yeah, that's those are both good. I'm gonna make you talk about something less smart. I'm bringing back a thing. I'm bringing back a thing that everybody that has been very controversial. That everybody hated. Yes, everybody hated, but I'm bringing it back. What beauty products are you using and loving right now? Oh my god, beauty products. Okay, 
Um, you should have told me I was going to talk about this. I'm I know. so not. I've been using the. I'm like I would like to get better at skincare, like womanly things. <laughs> skincare. <laughs> I have been using the Jones Road. What is that stuff? The highlighter stuff. Oh, the oh, Miracle the, Bomb. Uh, Miracle, Miracle Bomb. Bomb. I like that very much. I swear by Boy Brow. If you have blondish Bless eyebrows, I, I don't like that the title of it always flakes off the tube. I yes! <laughs> Glossier also, like, I love their lipsticks, but why does the top always come off? Like, can't you change that, please? It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, but I also know you love fashion. So, like, I, I do like fashion. I'm better at fashion than looks. We're going to, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to. We're gonna we're gonna switch to that. Okay, you're in your 40s. I know you love fashion. What is your dream style uniform right now? Ooh, so I'm in a weird because I have very short hair. I also really like boyish clothes, but I'm a straight woman who I feel like I would be happy to be mistaken for a gay woman. Gay women are usually around town. My neighborhood, at least, are like the hippest ones around. <laughs> but I feel like that's misrepresenting myself. So I've been playing a lot with very feminine clothing Okay, with my short hair. So you can't see it because I'm, but I have, I'm really into um, machete earrings. Um, so I've been wearing these, soup, these are, I'm, for the, for the listeners at home, they're like green, emerald green, yeah, multifaceted nice. looking like plastic studs, but they also make great colorful hoops. Like hot, I have hot pink, I have blue, I have like tigery, stripey ones. So I like to wear those for like a little pop of color and a little femininity. Um, I've been thinking about what I want to wear for the fall, but the yeah. weather in LA has been so confusing. Usually in September, it's so hot. And yeah. right now it's not, and I don't know what to do. My summer uniform is kind of a dream in that I've just been wearing my like what do you call this Greek blue? What is that color blue? I don't know. Cerulean blue? Yeah, like a really bright <laughs> blue you see on the Greek flag and all the white. So oh, I wear yeah. my saltwater sandals in that bright blue. Mm -hmm. And because they're so bright, they kind of go with everything. I'm wearing the dress that, Jen, you had recommended, I think, on the Patreon. Yes. It's like an H&M slouchy dress. I bought it in white, but I bought they didn't have a medium, so I bought the small. So mm -hmm. it's kind of tight. Ooh. I actually get checked out when I'm wearing it, which is not does not happen to me or not that I notice. But every time I wear it, I'm like, hey, everybody's looking at my butt. Um, but it's pretty tight. I'm like, hello, everyone. Here's my body. Um, but I've been very much into like just a dress with the sandals. And you guys keep talking about jeans. Maybe Kim on your sub stack, you keep saying how jeans are so hard to find. But you're all. I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about high waisted. So I don't know if my jeans are not cool. But I wear the ribcage Levi's. I still get compliments on them by strangers. Well, yeah. There's. Um, yes, yeah, go. What, whatever waistline works. I think we're in one of those places where you don't look wrong. Not that you care. Not that we care. But that you don't look wrong if you wear a lower waist, and you don't look wrong if you're wearing you're a higher super, waist. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. I mean, they're not like up to my boobs, but they're pretty high waisted jeans. And I love to wear them with like my Cantor's shirt and my blue sandals. That's kind of been my vibe, either a dress or the jeans. 
Yeah, I I speaking of jeans, I have found I'm about to uh pull the trigger. I don't I don't know if we could say pull the trigger anymore because of the, all the gun things. But <laughs> no, I've got I've actually I, I I rely on that a lot and have been and I no longer use it because I've got some converts. Have you been admonished for it? Um well I've I, been I you've been admonished. I have found on some because I follow all of these like Gen Zer substacks now, and I have found um Ooh. there's an Abercrombie and Fitch uh new a pair of jeans that looks perfect. I have not ordered them yet. I will put them in the show notes and I will send them to you. They look perfect and they're like $70. Are they the baggy wood? Like what are what what okay. what silhouette so, are we talking? Okay, so we're talking like medium medium high waist, mm-hmm. like a good stone wash, like a classic kind of stone wash, no whiskering, no fucking bullshit in my opinion. And then just a straight leg. They look really good. I don't know. We'll see. We'll okay. see. We'll see. I don't know. I can't. I have been thinking about the baggy legs, but then I'm like, uh, this, this, this just feels like I'm really trying to be a young, you know? Yeah. Mm. I never was into that style when it was in the first time around. Like I just was like, that's not my style yeah. then. And so it feels like really fake to wear it now. Yeah. 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 These look good though. I saw them. I saw them on one, like I said, on one of these like young people. Apparently it's the top the top selling Abercrombie. And then there's like lo-fi, the lo-fi from Levi's, which don't look particularly low waist, but they're, they look good too. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the hunt for denim and I cannot find it. I cannot find it. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just into my rib cages. I wear them like four times a week and I think they're okay. But then there's that time where like, I don't know about you guys, I was wearing my skinny jeans and then I realized like, oh wait, these are over. Why am I still wearing them? You do have those moments, but then you're like, I'm middle aged. Like it doesn't really matter. Doesn't Nobody matter. cares. No one's, no one's looking. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's just that there is a moment where something becomes that you love becomes repulsive, and it's really weird to have it happen. It's like a trend that you were wearing for years. You're like, oh no, 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 no more. No. Like but- I can't believe that I ever wore a puffy shoulder. What? Who was I when I wore a puffy shoulder? I have pictures. I know yeah. I did it. Yeah, proof. Yeah, I still like a puffy shoulder, but I understand. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm more My thinking of like a half top. See, I mine are broad, and I kind of like it. I'm like just I like to take up space. Yeah, well, my shoulders are not unbroad, but I just like I. It's just so. It's just so like counter to how I dress. It's not you at all. It's very like floofy, and you're not a floofy person. But I used to be floofier. Oh, you used to be the floofiest. <laughs> I <did not. laughs> at, at, at Lucky, I swear to God, there was just always an embellishment. There was never not. There just was because you just were you were you were wearing very nice clothing, but it did have things on it. That was also really the style. <laughs> it was that really was to have an extra like, little like thing. you're wearing a top, but there's a slip under the top, and yeah. the slip is hanging out. <laughs> Like we all thought we looked so fucking great. We looked so the years like two thousand to two through two thousand and four for me, like fashion wise. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. So there's always like a lace or there was just always something on the thing. But that that was just that was an indication of something being stylish and designy at the time. I don't I think that's yeah. yeah. 
It'll yes. be back. You're going to be wearing that. I saw a girl yesterday. She wasn't a girl. She was a young woman. But she was wearing a hat. And I thought all of a sudden, oh, my God, trucker hats, they're back. And maybe they've been back for a while. But I was just like shook to my core by the very <laughs> idea that something that was a trend when I was an adult is back was really upsetting to That's me. alarming. It's alarming. It's alarming what happens and it keeps happening, but then it's kind of exciting because you might still have it and you're like, oh, well, that's still in my closet. Back. <laughs> yeah. Just pull that guy back out. Um, what do you still want to do? What's happening next for you, Eden? What do I still want to do? Um, I definitely do not want to have any more kids. So that's take that off the list, strike it from the record. Every, my agent is making fun of me all the time because every other book I was pregnant for. (laughs) She's like, you're in trouble now. (laughs) Um, I want to keep writing books that are formally daring and yet very fun to read. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, what else do I want to do? That's about it. You know, just try to enjoy my life a little bit. I have a sub stack that I'm trying to grow, quote unquote, but that's just a place, again, where I'm just trying to be authentic and have fun. And if people want to come along for the ride, that's fine too. But trying not to be obsessed with metrics, you know. What's the, uh, oh, it's hard not to be obsessed with metrics on Substack. It's very hard. I checked that fucking dashboard several times a day. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, how many new Goodreads reviews do I have? Did I get any new followers? It's terrible. It's oh, gross. Um, terrible. But terrible. if anybody wants to give me a little ego boost, you can go to, it's called, the Substack is called Italics Mine, which was my old Tumblr name that I re- resurrected, <laughs> but it's just Eden, E-D-A-N dot Substack, so... Amazing. Eden, thanks so much for doing this. This has been great. Oh, this has been such fun. Thank you. I know. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. And everybody go out and buy Eden's book. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it across the platforms. It really makes a difference. It helps people find the show. If you want to support the production of the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash everything is fine. If you want to follow Kim, you can find Kim on her Substack, kimfrance.substack.com. It's still called Girls of a Certain Age, technically. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at EIF Podcast on Instagram. We have a robust and private Facebook group. Um, and that I just got lost in the thread. But also the show is mixed and edited by wonderful Natalie Rivera, who we love so much and are so grateful for. And we'll be back next week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.